Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. The thing that I love about Albert Einstein is that he was well known for being forgetful. Yeah. One time he was, he was on a, took a train and uh, um, it was a train, a commuter train basically, and he went on almost every day. Um, but he was going someplace different this day. And, and when he was on the train, the guy that was taking the tickets walked through the, the cab where he was at and, uh, and he was asking for tickets and Albert couldn't find his ticket. Just couldn't find it. He was looking all over himself. And uh, the, the conductor said, listen, it's okay, Albert. We know who you are. We, we trust you. We trust you. You're fine. And so he's going to the next coach, and he looks back, and he sees Albert. He's on his hands and knees, and he's looking still for his ticket. And he said, Albert, it's okay. You don't have to, don't have to get your ticket because, because we know who you are. And Albert looked up and said, I know who I am too. I just don't know where I'm going. Uh, so, so some of us, you know, we know who we are, right? We're Christians, we're Christians, but we need to know where we're going some days. And that's what the Bible is. It is our guidebook for life. Uh, so if you've got your Bible, your Bible app, you want to open it up right now to Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter two, uh, verses 11 through 22 today. And, uh, um, one little uh, statistic about remembering, right? Um, some experts, uh, they did a study and they, they, they know that people, most people only remember about 10% of what they hear, like in a message, a sermon, something like that. And if you, if you talk back, like Pastor Brent has us do, you know, it, it heightens it a little bit. And if you take notes, it even goes up higher and maybe up to 20%, right? But in this study, they also did a kind of a parallel study and they basically found out that they, and they all agreed that people who sleep during the message retain 0% of what they hear. So, so you might want to nudge your neighbor today if you see them, you know, kind of, kind of falling off a little bit. All right. All right. So the scripture, here we go. It says this, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, that's all of us, unless you, you have Jewish heritage, right? Uh, Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. That's done in the body uh, by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. You were once far away, okay? Now, there's a couple, a couple of important things that we need to remember. One of the things about Albert Einstein, he said, you know, I, I'm really not forgetful. I choose selectively to know and remember important things. And if it's unimportant, I'm not using up brain space to store that in there, Right? And as Christians, we need to have kind of the same mentality. There are certain things that are very important. And when there's something in the scripture that says, remember this, that's important. You want to tuck that one away and you want to keep that one fresh in your memory because 
if God thinks it's important and you need to remember this specific thing, then you need to remember that, right? So it's the first thing that it is far away and near. Now, now there are other theologians who could unpack this a lot better than me. So you know what near and far is. Now, uh, technically, uh, far away was actually, it was a very common Jewish term. Uh, it was used uh, in rabbinical writings to describe the Gentiles who, as Paul described, were far away from God. Okay. The Israelites were, were known as, as the chosen people of God. They were his family. And so the Israelites, they really thought themselves something special. And it may, and, and matter of fact, it became a source of pride, arrogance for the Jews. So much so that because they, they considered the Gentiles far away from God, they wanted to keep them there. We're the chosen. You're not. And it's very interesting that uh, Israel uh, continually perverted this fact that the Gentiles were far away so that uh, they didn't want to ever even be gracious enough to share their relationship with God with other people. Now, Jonah would be a good example of that. Jonah was one who was a prophet who was called by God to take the message of God's grace to a terrible country. And what did Jonah do? He said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to squander God's love and compassion and kindness and grace on a people who don't deserve it. So he ran the other way. Well, God corrected that. That's a whole other sermon and a whole other story, right? But the fact that, that there was this Jewish animosity toward the Gentiles, uh, it, it was huge. Um, matter of fact, there was a tradition that if any Jew left Israel, and they came back to Israel, they would shake the dust off of their sandals and off of their clothes before they entered into Israel again, because they didn't want to contaminate their country with these terrible outsiders, those who were far away from God. And a matter of fact, if, if a Jew married a Gentile, the family would actually hold a funeral service. And say, our child is dead. And they separated themselves. They pushed them, them far away from them. So they wouldn't have contact with them. Now it's very interesting that we may not have a Jew-Gentile problem among us. Uh, but there are some deeply rooted prejudices that we need to deal with. Um, hopefully we've, we've overcome some of those prejudices. Um, things like ethnic background, tough one, right? Uh, the fact that, that uh, you haven't been raised up in the Central Valley of California. Now, I kind of experienced a weird thing when, when we moved to Kansas. We lived there for 10 years. Um, I was a pastor of, of a pretty good-sized church out in, in middle Kansas. And it was interesting how I would just get these these little inklings, these drifts, Sometimes spoken even to my face. You're not from here. See, I, I, I didn't go to high school in that particular town and I wasn't on the, the winning, you know, state win, winning football team or whatever, like the rest of the guys. And I, I was excluded just because I came from California. 
Isn't that weird? But you know what? There are those kinds of prejudices. There, there, there are, are barriers between us of, of political agenda. Um, it can even go uh, down to the Dodgers and the Giants. <laughs> but you know what? I, I want to tell you, you know, we laugh. But even those funny, kind of lightweight um, prejudices that we have can become a problem. We can we can stiff arm even our friends if they don't like the things that we like. They don't agree with the things that we we believe, and, and so we need to be careful. Um, so it brings us back to the basic thing, as Pastor Brent has been pe- teaching us about unity. The the one thing Jesus said to his disciples before he he went back to heaven was what the people that need. To hear this message of love and grace and compassion will be compelled to hear the story because something amazing is going to happen. They're going to see unity among my followers. And we see people from all different walks of life, slave, free, the, the people who were Jews, the people who were Gentiles, All different countries, all different stripes of people are going to be together and people are going to be scratching their heads saying, whoa, 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 whoa. How come these people can hang together when they are so different and and our society says that they shouldn't be together? They should be polarized. Well, we are here as Bethany Church to show other people the example of what unity really is in Christ. That even though we don't don't share the same ethnic background, we we don't we're not all Republicans. Whoa, right? I mean, it, people are just going to shake their heads. Those guys hang together. That's crazy. So so here's point number two. This is another remember, right? You were once far away. You were a part of the crowd that was once far away from God. That's the first thing to remember. The second thing is you have been brought near. Now note, it says you have been brought. You didn't come on your own. You couldn't make it by yourself. You had to have someone come and grab you and bring you. That's Jesus. Jesus made it possible for you to break that barrier. And to be reconnected with a God who loves you. Here's a scripture. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier by dividing uh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with his commandments and regulations. Now, this is this is a direct uh, idea of of the Jews and the Gentiles, but also speaks to the future of all the all the separation anxiety that exists today in the world, all the polarization, right? Now, if you haven't underlined this, do it. It says, "He Himself is our peace." Now, this is really important. If, you're, if, if your neighbor's asleep, nudge him now because he needs to know this, right? Okay. Uh, the church's unity is not organizational. It's spiritual and relational. You get that? 
The church's unity is not based on organizational unity. It's spiritual unity and relational unity. You see, when the church, when we start to think that something else is going to bring us peace other than Jesus, like agreeing on some issue or some methodology or some organizational structure, we will continue to be frustrated and polarized. We are called to embrace the truth that we are all saved by grace into a relational peace with God and with one another through Jesus. That's it. That's it. And we need to, to take that to heart and remember that and focus all of our energies on that relational peace with God and relational peace with one another. Okay? Now, the scripture goes on. It says, His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. You see, this is kind of like, you know, uh, my mom when, when uh, uh, my brother and I would go at it, right? And what would she do? She'd grab us both, right? One hand here and one hand here, and you guys get together, now shake hands, you know? I'm glad it was shake hands instead of hug, <laughs> you know? What? She wanted peace to happen. Why? Because we're family. And we have our squabbles. We have our disagreements. We, we, we get upset once in a while. But at the end of the day, we make peace, right? That's what it's really about. And, it's, and, and what's interesting is that this word reconcile is a term that holds the idea of turning, get this, hostility into friendship. It's not a standoff peace. Anybody had standoff peace before? I mean, you disagree with a guy or a gal and they've done something against you and, and you kind of holding a little bit of a grudge. And so what you say is, well, I'm going to make peace with this person. I'm just never going to talk to them again. And that's your peace. Your peace is actually pushing that person far away, far enough away that you don't have to deal with them anymore. That's not true peace. Biblical peace deals with the idea of reconciliation. I make things right between us, so right that we actually not just have this standoff relationship, we put up with one another, we actually have forgiven each other so well that we see the good in one another and we start becoming friends. Wow. That, my friends... That church is why the outside world should look at us and shake their head and go, wow, what just happened here? Those people used to be at such odds with one another, and now they're not just, you know, saying I'm sorry. They're actually friends. They hang out together. They love each other. They take care of one another when everything else in the world says it shouldn't happen. It does. Why? Because they have Christ as their center. Jesus is their peace, right? See, one of the great pictures that Paul 
paints in this passage is that of God destroying a barrier that divided, that wall of hostility. Um, it's actually a reference, interestingly, to the, the, the wall between the Gentile court in the temple and the inner temple where the Jews were only allowed to go inside. But what's interesting is that it had been perverted because of the animosity and the hatred towards Gentiles that they actually put up a sign that said this, a sign on the wall, no Gentile may enter here with the barricade, uh, within the barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who was caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Wow. You know what the original idea behind the Gentile court was? God had in his mind that, yes, there is a people of God that is allowed to enter into relationship with him, special relationship with him. That was the Jewish nation that God chose to be his own people. But he created a Gentile court to be kind of a viewing area for people who weren't Jews. Hey, you want to see what it's really like to have a, a great relationship with God? There's this space where you're safe and you can come and you can observe what's going on. You see, it was intended to be a witnessing area. (laughs) And some churches have done this very well. They've actually created safe spaces for people who aren't Christians to be in their midst, to be able to befriend them. It might be be a coffee shop. It It might be a playground. It might be a softball field. You know, we've we've got lots of ground here. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can, you know, dig deep in our pockets and think of some creative ways to be able to use the space that God has given us to create a a nice environment where you could invite a non-Christian and they could have a non-threatening time letting their dog run free, you know, or playing softball, or have a climbing wall, or a coffee shop, or whatever it is that God puts on our hearts to create a space so Gentiles, people who don't know Jesus, basically, have a shot at watching you and me relate to one another in a very loving, kind friendship, and even beyond friendship, a family way. We just had a family over to to our house for dinner last night. We played games and had fun, and it was great. You know, they're not just our friends. They're our family. They are. That's how we should view one another. And not not just family, because some of us have some kind of quirky, weird people that we don't really want in our family, right? But... But family that you love. Think of that, that aunt who always gives you the best Christmas present ever, right? I mean, those kind, we are all destined to be that kind of people. Those are the kind of people that God wants us to become. The kind of people that other people like to hang out with. That, that will overlook a sin because they love you so much. That's us. That's who we're supposed to be, right? And, and so this leads us to the last thing, right? Remember, we are God's family. Look at verse 17 through 22. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near because they weren't really 
even though they were the family of God, the chosen people of God, they weren't near to him. They had chosen to disregard him as their God many, many times. Remember how that's happened. But for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. And here it is, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, the language that he's using here is builder language. And basically what it's saying is this built together. Uh, some, some translations use it fitted together. Uh, in one, one Bible dictionary, it says fitted snugly. You know, isn't that cool? That, that we are being In other words, it's not us and our all of our own effort. It's our cooperation with the effort of God to make us into the family that he originally designed us to be. And every one of us is different, but we have we are being honed and sanded down and cut a little bit here and there. But eventually to be fitted together so tightly, so snugly that we are one. You know, some some of the architecture that I've seen is just amazing how some of the ancients, they would do woodworking and you can't see any seams at all. I mean, man, those guys just like, they, they just like razor straight and they put that wall together. They put that piece of furniture together. They put whatever they put together. And, and it is just so perfectly put together that it's just one thing. That's what God wants for us. No division. No gaps. God wants us to be together to honor him, right? Because we look up and we say, only God could do that. I can't. Not by my own power, not by my own strength. But through Jesus, I have the capacity to forgive. I have the capacity to love. I have the capacity to actually become your friend and your brother in Christ. That's what God wants for his church and that's our greatest witness. Now, the, the last thing that I want you to remember is this. We are not perfect yet. Okay? I mean, you could turn to your neighbor and you could tell them, you're not perfect yet. All right? <laughs> I see some of you are actually taking that, taking that to heart and actually turning and saying that. Yeah. That's good. He said, I've been waiting to say that for years at this person. You know. But see, in saying that, you are giving them hope. You know, you're not perfect yet. I'm not perfect yet. But that's our destiny. In Christ, God is trying constantly to bring us together in unity. So remember, you were once, we were once far away. We, through Jesus' effort, and sacrifice have been brought near to God. And we now are being knitted together as God's family to be a witness to a world who desperately needs Jesus. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us in a way that that is, it's just beyond imagination that we could actually come to, 
to forgive and embrace and love and become friends with each other. God, forgive us for the animosity that we've held, for the grudges that that are deep. Um, God, help us move beyond that with the power of your one spirit who draws us together against all odds to be a wonderful picture of what it means to be a son, a daughter of Christ. God, we thank you for your love for us. Um, Help us to love others the way you love us and to bring all people to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.